Hi, and welcome to the Change Today podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Keila Kadeh. So, Kadeh is my last name, and in French, it means soldier. So, when we talk about Change Kadeh, we're talking about soldiers of change. In my company, we talk about soldiers of change in the place of diversity, inclusion, and equity. But here, it may talk about the workplace, but we may also talk about stories of just change in general from various different aspects of life. Change today is all about stories of change at what times may feel like an upward battle, but people are getting to their places of joy. So here, I'll share some of my own stories. I'll also interview guests who took risks and grew from their experience of navigating change to find their joy. I hope that these stories that you hear today um, will be an opportunity for you to become inspired and maybe a change today in your own life. Hi. Hi. Happy um, Monday. Was it a good one? (laughs) Did it work out for everyone? Made it. You're here. So Um, so, uh, we're just going to chat a bit and then you're going to talk with yourselves amongst yourselves and then we'll come back. And talk together? Does that work? Yeah. Okay. Um, also, I kind of want this to be fun. So if it's not fun, just be like, Akila, the fuck are we doing? <laughs> Let's make it better. Just be direct, you know? <laughs> just be direct. Okay. So um, before we get into, um, well, let's get into this. We'll talk about this in your slide real quick. And then we're going to ask Lauren to share her experience with um, what, it's, what her advisor's God has done for her to get her to where she is now. So, uh, hashtag advisor squad, you guys here. Do you have your little, your form there? Yes. That's a gift from me to you. And um, I will provide autographs for you. <laughs> if you need it, I'm kidding. But, um, so talking about your advisor squad, there's three components on there. Your mentor, your advisor, and your sponsor. Okay, or your advocate, advisor, and your sponsor. So when we talk about your mentor, how many of you have a mentor? Wait, what? No, everyone's hand should be up for a mentor. That's like the easiest one on the advice. That's fine. It's a judgment-free zone. We'll move past that. But essentially, your mentor is someone who's helping you with your career, right? Like, what works for you? Some of you may be thinking about educational opportunities. Maybe it's a passion project. But they're there to make sure that you feel supported in what you're doing. But most importantly, what a lot of people forget are two things. One, they save you time. Because if you talk to them about what they're doing, how they got to where they are, then you could do something that makes sense for you to do that, or you could do something that you're like, you know what? Um, I'm hearing a lot of negativity and drama with that experience. I'm going to go this other way, and it saves you time. You can be much more direct with that experience. But the second thing, the most important thing, is that you need more than one mentor. Does that make sense? Do you know why you need more than one mentor? Because if you're doing life right, you're going to outgrow them. You're just going to outgrow them. Um, And you're not going to have that same experience as them, or you're going to be in the same position as them. And now the advice becomes more of a colleague or a peer opposed to someone where you are getting some inspirational growth from. So I always encourage people to have more than one mentor. If you have an idea for a passion project, if you're thinking about going into a different career path, it's okay to have someone who's in the same place where you are, but you definitely want to have someone on the outside as well. 
And then we move into the advocate position. And the advocate, a lot of people don't have. And this is someone who gives you actions to success of where you want to go. They may not be as readily available as a mentor, but they may be a safe place to vent, someone you can problem solve with, and someone who would advocate on your behalf. So if you're in a position and this individual is like, you know what, you should ask Lauren to come in and do this because she's done X, Y, and Z before, they're advocating for you when you're not in that space. So think about who those individuals are for you internally or externally or passion project-wise of wherever you want to be and wherever you want to go. Um, I forgot to mention that with your mentor, it's a good place to, to vent um, because usually... They're, they're for it. But the advocate, it may be a little tricky because sometimes the advocate could be your supervisor or another level supervisor and you want to be careful of what you're sharing. And then last, you have your sponsor. And the sponsor is the magic maker. This is the person that you may never see or you see maybe once or twice a year, but they'll say like, you know what, this position's opening up, I think you should apply. Or here's some money. Or I know someone who has money. Or I know someone who can give me an opportunity to speak on a panel or whatever it may be. These are individuals that are taking you to the next level, personally, professionally, or passion uh, project-wise. And it's a great person to have. Not always the best place to vent, because they usually have a lot of power and privilege to use, so you want to be careful of how you're sharing things with them. But they're someone who, if you vent successfully, you can say, like, you know what was missing from this organization? We didn't have X, Y, and Z things. And then they can potentially help you get into the position to do X, Y, and Z things. So you can be strategic with your venting there. And that's it. That's it for an advisor's book. So to wrap up, mentors, advocates, and sponsors. It says that, you know, so that's what it is. <laughs> but what you'll see on your form as we get into group work is getting you to the stage of thinking about what you need for your advisory squad. So on your um, advisory squad form, you'll see your objective and goal. You'll also see um, what your strengths are your areas of enhancement or improvement. And the most important thing when you think about your advisory squad, your isms and your barriers, how you are perceived in that space, whatever that space may be. So, I'm, I don't know if you're aware, but um, sometimes being a person of color in the workplace is a negative. Has anyone heard that? <laughs> sometimes being a woman is a negative in the workplace, right? These are barriers to success because we know that there's some stereotypes that are coming towards us. And the more you know what these perceived threats or isms are, the more you can figure out who can support you with mitigating the fact that people may be perceiving you in a negative way. Make sense? All right. Any questions or concerns in general about me, Monday? Yes? What's your background? My background? Yeah, it's not. We don't need to get into that. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, that's a great question. So... My name is Akila, and um, I came into this world on September 2nd, 1982. Why does that matter? Because Beyonce came into this world September 4th, 1981. So we are on the same page, and I'm a Virgo. So I leave with that. Anytime you talk about Beyonce, anytime, anytime, if you ever hear me talk, Beyonce comes up for no reason. I do talks. I show me cello because I was there. Has doesn't have shit to do with anything. At all. At all. But it's core who I am. So I'm the founder of Change Today, and Change Today is an organizational development consulting firm. We work specifically in diversity. So what that means is we come in, we do strategic planning, we do problem solving, we solve racism emergencies. It's a thing. Thanks, President on Twitter. Um, so 
So I do that. We also do executive coaching, and then I'm um, a speaker, so I go and talk about diversity to leaders. We only work with women, people of color, and underserved communities because, like I said, everything. <laughs> so we're biased there. Um, and then, not that we don't do stuff for white guys, but we don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we make sure everyone else is supported. Our clients are VCs, tech companies, um, nonprofits, foundations. Um, <laughs> Small businesses because diversity goodness is everywhere and diversity bad stuff is everywhere. So we don't lend ourselves there. Um, my doctorate's in health science and leadership and organizational behavior. And then I have a master's in public health and undergrad in health science. Um, I'm a first generation child, so I had to have all those degrees to be fully loved by my parents. <laughs> They're proud of me now. <laughs> so they've been proud of me for four years. <laughs> So yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. I am really biased towards women and women of color because that's the experience that I have. I have been in situations where I have had the pleasure of um, being diagnosed with severe depression, being in an unhealthy work environment. So a lot of what I do around this and knowing your strengths and your barriers and your isms and all these things that helps you know how to feel valued in the workplace. And there's a space for you to write down your values and what you need to feel valued. Anything in life of what you want to do in your workspace, whether it's your own company, freelancer, entrepreneur, whatever it may be, you want to be in a place where you can meet like 85% of those values. If you can meet those, you'll be all right. Because if shit happens everywhere, like even in my own company, I'm like, the fuck today, really, client? You know, so you still have to deal with that, but you want to make sure it's in a place where you feel like you could still be your best self and still experience joy and have your passion and purpose aligned. So that's me. That was a great question. I'm so focused on you and I don't talk about myself. <laughs> that's how much I care. <laughs> that is. Um, any other questions about the advisory squad before we, we get to learn more about Lauren, my other super cute husband is here? Oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I do want to say, feel free to ask questions at any time. Um, we are going to have a fun, uh, more interactive Q&A at the end, too, after you guys get to talk amongst yourselves. Um, but you, do you guys want to you have you want me to stop talking <laughs> so you can hear Lauren? Because I do. Um, <laughs> so Lauren, this is Lauren Williams. Do you want to give everyone a bio who you are, where you're working now? Sure. How much love you have <laughs> I do love Beyonce, I must say. Uh, that would be really awkward. <laughs> if I did. Yeah. Brandy's a better singer, is it? Mm, never. Really? Never. No. Anyway, thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like she said, I'm Lauren Williams, everybody. Super happy to be here. I think this is my fourth event at the Wings, so it's great to actually be here on a panel and having a discussion about something that I think is really important and fundamental to my career. So I'm an East Coast girl at heart. Anybody else from the East Coast? Wow. Okay. All right. I, I like to see that. So I'm um, originally from the D.C., Maryland area, and I went to college in Atlanta and then grad school at NYU, New York, and moved here two years ago as of last week. I was very against the move. My husband will attest to this. 
I cried the day that he got his job. The next day he took me ring shopping. I was still in tears because I just, I I heard so many horror stories about what it means to be a black woman in the Bay and like a lack of diversity and things like that. But this ended up being one of the best decisions that I've ever made in terms of like health and career and just different things. But my background is actually in journalism. So went to Spelman undergrad, got a degree in political science, went to NYU, got my master's in journalism. And I started out my career in hard news. I knew that I wanted to change what it meant to see certain images in front of the camera, but I know that that change can only be impacted behind the camera. So I said, I'm going to be a producer, going to work myself up the ranks. Terrible decision for me. So I was actually an associate producer when I had heart palpitations and I didn't realize why. So I thought that I was just stressed and, and, and whole nine yards. And then I went to the doctor and the doctor told me, if you don't need this job, you need to quit. And I was like, I can't quit because again, First-generation college student, quitting was not in my vocabulary. Parents didn't believe in that. That wasn't an option. But when I had a doctor tell me, this isn't going to work for you, I was like, all right, how do I regroup? So I left CNN and began working at a health communications agency, which literally having an advisory squad helped because I went to a networking event. I saw a woman that went to Spelman, which is, again, my alma mater, and she was like, hey, I work in health communications. We have an opening. Let's talk. I had seen her a few times on campus, did not know who she was whatsoever. But because we both had that bond of going to Spelman, she really vouched for me, got the job. I'm a really strong writer. I consider myself a strong writer. People may say otherwise. But uh, worked there for about a year and a half, and then the contract ended. If anybody ever works in, like, health communication or government contracting, you know that contracts are everything. They end. You can get funding for years on years on years. This particular company... uh, really, really, really mismanaged their funds. I was working there, contract ended, lost my job. Again, I never lost a job. I didn't know how to cope and I didn't know what to do. It was a really valuable lesson in the moment, but I was freaking out because I was like, I had moved out to the Bay to be with my husband and I I was told that I could work remotely from San Francisco, but the contract ended because of course they were mismanaging their funds. They couldn't afford to pay me. So I was without a job for a year and then I began working at- Were you laid off? Yes. First time being laid off. I don't remember, but yeah, I've been laid off twice. (laughs) Okay, so let's pivot. So, how did you, like, how did you deal with being laid off? Because for like me and my self esteem, I had always tied my self identity to where I worked or having a big name behind me. Yeah, and I always went after like big name companies. So CNN, I'm going to go to NYU. I'm going to do these things, and then this happens, and I'm like, okay, now what I do. Um, so the first time I was laid off, I, my background is public health, so I was like changing the world and not getting paid. <laughs> I quickly realized that that wasn't me because I love shoes. So. <laughs> um, so the first job I was laid off from was I used to work for a school district. I was a high school administrator for after school programs, and I loved the job. High school students are blast; they're great, and I love the job. But they took my position, so I was nine through twelve, and they took the K grade position and put it into one role. So they wanted me to compete against a white woman who was pregnant who had been in the role for four years. I was like, just me off. Like, it, there's no way I was going to win that. And, like, I knew my strengths and weaknesses. Before, I was in the diversity space, so there was a vision probably happening at that moment. So I was laid off, and I was laid off during the summer. They, let, <laughs> they laid me off illegally. I sued. I won. It was great. But I was, it was 2006. It was a good time. 2006, there were jobs all over the place. So I just took the summer off. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't making much money, so unemployment was nice. Met a boy, hung out with him. He was, said he graduated from law school. We both didn't have shit to do, so it's like, you want to go to 
a mini ball and just walk around. So that's what we did. And then I got a job and then it got into real life and started working at UC Berkeley. So that was good. The second time I graduated my master's in public health, graduated, went on vacation. They, before I went on vacation, they were like, we want to make you a VP. I was in fund development. That's when I sold my soul in <laughs> fund development to, to make some money to see what that side was like. But it was great for like grant management, contract management, you know, federal contracts and full gamut of things. When I came back at 8.30, I had a meeting with my boss at 12.30. He was like, so we're letting you go. I was like, what? I was supposed to be, um, I was supposed to be VP. I'm confused. Supposed to be VP. So they let me go. And it was 2008. Mm. Exactly. So here I was with way too much experience in my master's mm -hmm. and two seconds, like all of, well, I'm sorry, four hours <laughs> of master's level experience. And at that time, it was an employer's market. So you can get someone with a PhD or an MPH and 15 years experience at half off, you know, because they were losing their jobs. So it took a year for me to find a job. Mm -hmm. And that was like rough because at that time I was like, I made it. Got my master's, like, fuck school, never going back. Obviously, I did. But, you know, I thought that I was done. So that wasn't supposed to happen. I thought I was in a position to grow and make more money and do all these things. And all of that was derailed. So I ended up taking a part-time job a year later and eventually made it a full-time job. But that time period was rough. Yeah, so rough. And I had a similar experience. Um, my husband had proposed, and then we had decided on Costa Rica for our wedding. And then... The day after I got back was when I got a call saying that I'd been fired. After we had just put down a deposit for the place in Costa Rica. And I was like, what are we going to do? He's like, oh, it's fine. But me being the feminist that I am, I'm like, you can't carry it. <laughs> like, that's not how I was raised. It's not going to work. And then he was, I see the smirk on his face. He was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. But I'm like, it's not okay for me. And I think I had like a slight identity crisis at that time because, again, everything had always been tied to where I worked, what I did, and then, especially being in the Bay, everybody works with these big tech companies. Yeah. So what did I do? Went to a big tech company. And I, so my husband had somebody who he interned with at Google, refer me for the job. I got the job and I thought that I had made it. I'm like, big tech company, I'm doing the thing, no stock, but it's okay because I came in at too low of a level. And it was probably one of, probably the second unhealthiest work environment that I had worked in after CNN. And it was this weird, oxymoronic situation because I'm working at the tech company that everybody says you need to work at and I'm working in the most expensive most competitive job market but I was so unhappy I was upset all the time I couldn't figure out why my work wasn't impactful and what I also realized about myself was that I've never been afraid to boss up and I value myself so much that I know that if a situation isn't serving me I gotta bounce I don't care if it's a relationship, if it's a job, if it's a situation where I just don't feel like there's any reciprocity present, I need to leave. And I think that my previous job really taught me that. And then let me wait until the side of those because I can't compete with that. Well, they know you're a boss. They're <laughs> <laughs> um, And so it was while I was working at Twitter, I realized that I don't necessarily need a big name behind me. I need to be somewhere where I feel valued, where I'm heard, where I'm respected where I can bring my full clumsy accident self to work, where I can just be my full self, but also I know that I'm being challenged and I'm, well, I'm positioning myself for whatever's going to be the next move. So after talking to a mentor, um, she's supposed to be here tonight, I don't think I see her, but we had a conversation. She's like, what do you want to do? And I'm going on and on. Again, I'm a writer, so I can sell anything to anybody, basically. And she was like, that's white noise. What do you really want to do and why are you here? And I just had to get real with myself and 
that at that point I realized, you know what, Lauren, this is all lip service. You're not being your true authentic self. You're selling your soul. You're not happy, but you're doing what people tell you that you should be doing. And what society says that you should be doing, you're trying to fill a quota because you feel this guilt of also being a black woman in tech and carrying that version of representation. And now I work at a company called Splunk. It's a, a data company. And it's the happiest It's the happiest that I've been in since, since I've been out of grad school. It's a really healthy work environment for me. I like the work that, I doing, that I'm doing. I'm a black woman in product. I know what that means and I know what I want to do next. But it's crazy because nobody knows what Splunk is. We have a whole campaign called WTF Splunk. And that's okay for me. And, but I thought two years ago that I needed to work at a big name company. I thought that that's what I was supposed to be doing coming to the Bay. And I'm working at a company that practically nobody knows about. And I'm so content going to work every single day with my little green tea in my bag. I'm so happy. And to me, that's what I should be doing. And I know that I can do that wherever I am in the world. If I feel really fulfilled and if I know that I'm making a difference and if I'm respected and if I'm valued and I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then it's all worth it. Everything that I went through was not for naught. So I found my mentor, I'll start back from CNN. I had interned at CNN when I was in Atlanta because that's where they headquartered. So I interned there and I just kept in contact with him. And it's interesting when I go back and I read emails from 2011, I'm like, why were you writing like that? And why were you just communicating like that? Like it was just weird and informal and just like college academia language. But I kept in contact with him and then I actually interned at, in, at CNN when I was in New York. And again, he, I continuously emailed him. I started out contracting for CNN, and then I saw this position open in Atlanta, emailed him, he interviewed me, he was like, I'll see you when you get down here. That was the way that the interview ended. And I was like, so I guess that means I, I got it? Or like, I don't know, but I did get it. And he just helped me in terms of the way that I was communicating with people. So again, when I was like 23, I was like super feisty, slightly confrontational. And I remember there was a situation with somebody, and I was like, do you have a problem with me? And I said it just like that. And he was like, not even I vouch for you, but he was like, you can't communicate with people like that. And I'm like, why not? Because something clearly happened and clearly she has an issue with me. But I just didn't have the emotional intelligence at that point to realize that's not the way that you communicate with somebody. And the situation didn't warrant that type of response. If it was something deeper, it might have warranted that, that type of response. But I kept that communication, kept that relationship, and I kept building it. Even now, like I still communicate with him, even though that mentor relationship doesn't necessarily serve me because I'm no longer in news. He was able to work his way up. But at that particular point in my life, it did serve me. Yeah. And I think that with any type of relationship, mentor, sponsor, uh, platonic, dating. dating, romantic, anything, reciprocity is really important. And he had a daughter who was looking at historically black college for historically black university for college, and I went to one. So I'm giving him tips about this is where she needs to apply, like this is the type of scholarship that she should look out for. This is what these schools are really, really interested in. So to me, that was that was how I could be reciprocal with him. Mm -hmm. Because I'm 23, fresh out of grad school. I'm not as far in my career as he was, but it was really helpful for him to be able to say, oh, okay, so my daughter should look at these scholarships, she should look at this, or she could look at that, even though it wasn't professional in, in the same sense in terms of the type of information that I was providing him with. So I love, um, Lauren said something that's really important, which is this, this thing of reciprocity with mentoring. Because all of you are your own level of experts, right? So you have something to give to the people you're mentoring. And then, well, maybe she asked us, how many mentor people? Okay. All right. Well, um, well I do. <laughs> but so, so that may be something you want to do, um, because it helps fine-tune those skills. 
at some point, someone in your career helps you out, and you have the power and privilege to like give that part back. But there's this thing of, of when you're in a position where you get to mentor other people, you're reminded how amazing you are. Because this person's mm-hmm. going to be like, oh my god, why did you do that? Wow, that's insane. That's amazing. And you're like, you know, you know what? I, I did. I forgot that I worked. <laughs> and then also did this and then had this internship. And it's a great reminder of how far you've come and also what you have to give back. So the reciprocity thing can happen even when you're in your career and exactly what you're saying. Like, you have this other experience and you're helping each other out. So with that exchange, let's transition into your advocate. Right. So do you have advocates now? I do, and I would even say I've only been at Splunk for a month and a half, but my name is being brought up in circles that I never thought that it would be brought up in, and I'm getting to do work, and I'm getting staffed on projects that I have never touched in my life. Like, I've never done an MA deal, ever. But guess who gets... I don't even know what that is, but congratulations. Virgins and acquisitions. Oh, okay. Sorry, I talked fast. I'll slow down. Yeah, well, I'm just trying to keep up with but I would say my boss is a huge advocate for me, and it's interesting because I, I don't want to say blind trust, but I've only interviewed with him, and he's only seen, like, writing samples, and he's seen my work for a month and a half. But the fact that he's able to vouch for me and say, you know what, Lauren can take this, or I highly recommend her to do X, Y, and Z, I think not only speaks to my work ethic, but also speaks to my character and, and what I'm able to accomplish. So I would I would definitely say that, that he serves in that position. And then I think in previous roles, I think when you just get to work with key stakeholders across a specific company, even if they're not in your specific department, I think that it's it's really helpful if you can have people that will say, you know what, I suggest like Akila for this or Lauren for X, Y, and Z because they know you, they know that the they know the work that you that you can do, and then the, your name will I think come up frequently in different circles, and you don't even realize it. That's very true. Yeah, that's why I'm here right now. Yeah, people are advocating for me. So, um. In your period of like advocacy and sharing that you you know you have someone who's supporting you now of what you're doing, do you feel you're gonna be in a position to advocate for other people um, in this new role yet? Or is it just to or have you done that in the past? That's a good question. I think I might have done it in the past for interns. Um, so even at Twitter, the intern that my old team currently has was somebody that I had recommended. Um, and she's also a woman of color, which is something that I'm very deliberate about in terms of bringing people behind me, this whole concept of Sankofa. But I would like to be able to, to get to that point. I just, I think right now the company that I'm at, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet in, in full transparency, but I, I would love to be able to. Okay. And do you want to explain what Sankofa is? Yes. Is anybody in here of Ghanaian descent? I think we're symbols now. Okay. So Sankofa is, it's basically a bird, but the bird has a beak. I wish I could draw. The bird has a beak that's going this way, and then the bird's tail is going in, in the same direction, and then the beak and the tail are meeting. And this concept of Sankofa is like everything's kind of going in a circle, and you're also paying it forward. And there's also saying that you don't know where you're going, you don't know where you've been. So the concept of Sankofa is just basically bringing everything into full circle and bringing up people behind you and saying that everything is going back to its origin. The words of Beyonce, Giselle Knowles Carter, the Lion King, the circle of life. <laughs> or that, yeah. It's another way I saw it last night, so nice. I felt really good about it. And then she, like, gets all the lines together. I'm like, oh, shit, she's telling me we have a formation. It was good. Like, I felt yeah. like so much. Anyway. Yeah. Go see it. No, I think that, that that's a great analogy. And then I also think I've worked places where the environment wasn't the healthiest, but I know that if all the hell that I went through and 
me really getting deep into self-care and all the lessons that I learned, if that manager or that team or that executive, if all the hell that I went through, if another brown girl doesn't have to go through the same exact thing, then everything was worth it. And that, to me, that's what Zankofa is. And I know, like, I can be vocal at certain times, but it makes, and not even, like, in a selfish way, but I know that everything that I've gone through and things that my ancestors even went through, if somebody else to come behind me and not have to face the same difficulties, then it was worth it. I would do it again. Probably not at the same company. I would have gotten stock, but I would do it again. <laughs> so let's move on to your sponsor. Do, do you have a sponsor now, or does a sponsor help you get this opportunity at Splunk? So the opportunity at Splunk, um, a sourcer from LinkedIn just reached out to me. I had, again, never heard of Splunk. Um, so I would say no for Splunk, but in terms of having a sponsor, yes. And the sponsor came from Twitter. And I wasn't even familiar with the concept of a sponsor until a few years ago. And uh, my sponsor is actually a, a man. And I think that it's also important. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I just want to point that out because I think that it's important to have sponsors and advocates and mentors that don't look like you. Clearly, I'm, I'm not a man, but I think it's really helpful because he has a completely different purview than I have. Like, I may be, I may be highly emotional with the situation he's given, which is completely stereotypical, but he's applying, like, a very strategic standpoint to it, and I wasn't even considering it in different situations that I had at Twitter. So I do have a sponsor, yes, uh, that, that's super helpful. He's a VP at Twitter. Gives me really great advice, and hopefully he can fund something one day, because he has the money. <laughs> oh, so you're playing long game with him. Yes. That's, also, that's a good thing too, and this is such a really good point because the sponsor thing, their return on that investment may not happen fast. Like, so let's say this person who goes out and does their own thing, you may be the head of something or the chief of something because of this relationship mm -hmm. that you have, even though you're not always interacting in that mentoring or, or advocate capacity. Mm -hmm. um, it's also important to point out that sometimes people are more than one thing with your advisor spot. They can be your mentor, they can, but they also have the power to be your sponsor or your advocate as well. And I would say that probably the VP mm -hmm. over there at Twitter has the capacity to do a couple of, or yep. two or three of those things mm -hmm. for you. Yeah, exactly. So important. So you may want to have some like patience on that. Lauren was asking me who's on my advisory spot, and I was like, ooh, I do not know. And um, that was not a good response because I talk about it all the time. But um, that's because I have lots of different people in my life. So like the wing is a sponsor for me. They give me lots of different opportunities to call me all the time. And it's not necessarily a person, but the people here or the events curator here provide opportunities for me. Um, and then because I'm in the space where I can be around a lot of really cool people, I get inspiration all the time. And I can sit down and ask people, even if it's one time, like, how did you do this? As I'm building a business, well, I'm not building a business, I'm year three in September, so I pay my bills for almost 36 months <laughs> and for other people, which is, it's great. I celebrate that all the time. But... Um, I'm always in positions to be able to talk to someone to figure out how did you get to that level or, you know, how do I become a mixture of Beyonce and Oprah? I haven't talked to Beyonce or Oprah about that, but there's things out there by inspiration, but there are people who are doing really cool things that I'm able to kind of talk to and interact with and, and check in with, um, which I'm appreciative to have. Um, I'm going to ask you two more questions before you can talk amongst yourselves. Can I ask you one first? Uh-oh. <laughs> Yeah. Or actually, this question could be applicable to anybody, but what's the best way to ask someone, or indirectly ask, for them to mentor you or to become an advisor, to become a sponsor? I believe in having an elevator pitch, or elevator speech, and having multiple ones, right? You all know the elevator thing, right? Just whatever. Does anyone have an elevator pitch speech? Okay. So, um, 
you either want to keep them in your left or right pocket, but you always want to be ready to go with your pitch. So if you are trying to do something passion project-wise, if you're trying to move up in your company, you have to be ready on demand to have that conversation. Like, you know, if you um, give me a, a person, a role, throw out. Kelly Rowland. <laughs> okay, but what does she want to do? Sell leggings. Does that she have a legging line or something? She has like the athleisure line. Fabletics. Fab. Yep. Fabletics. Okay. Um. So let's say she's looking. All right. <laughs> I feel like that was hard. I could do it. I am accepting the challenge. So let's say she's let's say she's looking for um some funding for the expansion of Fabletics. Is it what's her name for Fabletics? Kate Hudson. Thank you. Yeah. That was a better way to say it. I just couldn't. Kate Hudson. Right. So let's say, did, who started? Kate Hudson or Kelly Rowland? Kate, Kate Hudson, Hudson started it. So Kate Hudson contacted Kelly Rowland and was like, I guess. I'm pulling this out of my head. All right. So let's say Kelly Rowland, she's expanding, right? And she's going to have an elevator pitch. So her elevator pitch to a potential sponsor or collaborative partner, who would she partner with? Like, hmm. Or do you want to do Beyonce, Beyonce, Ivy Park, Top Shop? Like Beyonce it's trying not to have it anymore. So. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think about. No, we can do Color Rollins. Let's okay. see Color Rollins going to partner with The Wing, right? I don't know if you know they partnered with Outdoor Voices. Wow, I can't. I sound like a brand ambassador. They partnered with Outdoor Voices. There's a workout clothes out there, but let's say they want to have a partnership. So if Kelly Rollins talking to Audrey about the whole possibility of partnership she would say like i really love what the wing is doing and how you're able to uplift and empower women's voices and i would love to figure out how we can do a collaboration that's specific to the wing that is able to have a visual representation of how they can feel good and be themselves right so would you be open to having a conversation about that and maybe it's a relationship that um a lot of women in powerful positions will talk to other people on the same level as other mentors, advocates, or sponsors, and then that's where really cool, unique projects come out because they are just having these moments of like, how can I help you? What can I do? I don't know. Hopefully that works to make it work. Me, because I'm a straight-up hustler and pimp at the same time. <laughs> I am. I'm very proud of those things. Um, I always have multiple elevator pitches. So if I'm um, at a, any type of networking event and someone's telling me about what they do, I would easily say, like, well, if you ever need someone to come in and talk about the importance of diversity or women empowerment, um, I have a consulting company, and this is what we do. We make sure women and people of color feel supported in the workplace. Here's my card. Let's set up a time to get together. And from that, we can get together and have lunch to see if there's an area of collaborate, but sometimes there isn't. And maybe there's an opportunity for them to be mentored by me or for me to be mentored by them or for us to think about each other in the future. So um, I've had multiple times in my career where, or like yesterday, Saturday, um, I know someone who's an artist and someone who loves head wraps and they're looking for a way to work with a head wrap company. I happen to be the owner of a head wrap company, and so I'm just going to introduce them. And that's me straight up acting as a sponsor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm not having anything to do with that relationship, but I have the ability to do that, you know? So it's just kind of figuring out how you can get in, where you fit in. So the moral of that really long story is you want to have multiple options on deck of how you can talk to someone, how you can partner with someone, how you can be motivated and inspired by someone. Does that make sense? So no one's going to get this reference, but I say it anyway. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Sugar free. Look it up. So, um, <laughs> thank you. 
Um, so I'm going to ask you two more questions. Okay. And we'll go to the group. Uh, so one thing that happens with your sponsor, your advisor, and your mentors is that it's nothing but continuous change. Who that person is, what role you're in, whether you're in a nine-to-five space, not a nine-to-five space. And um, change today, today is my last name, it's French and it means soldier, so we create soldiers of change. So, how are you and change again? Oh, you didn't talk about this one. <laughs> Intentional. I know. Yeah, like what does change mean to you? Like how are you embody change with all like all of this stuff? Because you particularly now yes. you just change from yep. one really big space to a smaller space, but you're in a position doing what you like, so you have a lot of change around that. You yep. moved here mm-hmm. two years ago, last week. You're living in a place of change. Yeah, I've never been afraid to change. I again I think it goes back without sounding rehearsed, I think it goes back to this concept again of, of Sankofa and knowing where I've been so that I can know where I'm going, but then to also bring people behind me. So I'm trying to think about, when, when I used to live in Atlanta, I used to mentor at a women's prison, and I think about how can I impact women's lives around me, but women also that just don't look like me, because I think that that's important. And then also I try to change, again, embodying this notion of representation, but I try to challenge people's perceptions of what it means to be an African-American woman in the workplace, because I think as black people, we're not a monolith. Are you saying there's stereotypes of black women? Oh, tons. Tons. And you and I, we were even talking about this. I know that I'm an African-American woman with natural hair, with very short hair, sometimes a buzz cut. And I know that inherently that's very threatening to people. It doesn't matter that I'm 5'2". It doesn't matter that I have a very high-pitched voice. It doesn't matter that I can have very strong facial expressions. All of those things don't matter. It's just the way that I just look at somebody just dead in the eye like I'm looking at you right now. And that's threatening to you. Doesn't matter where I went to school, what I'm capable of, my work ethic, all of this stuff. And I just really try to challenge those notions. But then also, I want to emphasize, I'm going on a tangent, but I want to emphasize that we're not a monolith. Just because you and I are both women of African descent doesn't mean that we have the same exact experience. It's a very similar experience. It sounds like we do from, from what I know about you and vice versa, but I want to challenge those notions and just really show that. I deserve to be here, and I work my ass off, and somebody has sacrificed for me to be sitting in this seat right here, and sitting in the seats that I've sit in, in the rooms that I've been in. So, long story short, embodying what my ancestors have gone through, and then also knowing that there's so much more work to be done, but I think that I'm the person that can do it, and I can use it through what I believe is, is my gift, and that's storytelling, and that's being a communicator. Um, last question. Um, how do you celebrate the little wins? Because in this period of change and all these things that happen and forward progress, backwards progress, how do you celebrate those little wins? I'm going to tell a quick story. So, again, me being feisty, thinking to where I was approximately six years ago, last week I needed brand new tires on my husband and I's car. Dropped off the car and got four new tires, went to the gym, and I was like, Somebody hit my car. I was like, who did that? Like, no, 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 nothing. And I thought about it, and I was like, wait a minute. When I dropped off my car at 8.30 this morning, there was no dent on my car whatsoever. I picked it up at approximately 4.29 p.m. Whole bumper was just jacked up. Somebody with a blue or green truck literally back into my car trying to parallel park. Didn't do, didn't say anything, nothing at all. Just back into my car, bumper was just like kind of dragging on the ground with paint on it. And I was like, wow, this is just life. Like, stuff happens. But I think about where I've been and, like, my just growth and just me working on my mouth and my temper. And I was like, you know what, self? 
six years ago, you would have cussed out this mechanic. But now, you didn't. And you called him up and you were like, hey, it's okay. Like, things happen. Mercury's in retrograde. Like, it's really all right. And to me, that was a little win. But I was so happy about myself because I was like, self, look at all this growth that you've literally gone through. And you were smiling about it. Like, I called my mom. My mom's flipping out. She's cussing. Like, her car got hit. I was like, you know what, mom? It's really okay. So, for me, that looked, that was, like, a huge win in terms of my demeanor. But I treated my – well, my husband did this. We went to dumpling time. Um, <laughs> and just, like, little things like that. I wanted to share it with him and just say, you know what? I think about how far I've come. And I know that this situation would have happened five, six years ago. Like, it would have been completely different. I know that about myself. And I'm glad – that I've come this far, I'm glad that I've done the work, I'm glad that I'm in therapy, I'm glad that I'm really big on self-care now, and I'm with a partner that values me, I'm in a workplace that values me, I'm in a good space mentally, but I, so I celebrate, like, the small wins or the big wins by, like, treating myself for going to get something to eat or doing a little exfoliating in the bathtub and taking a little bath. <laughs> So, um, at this time, I am doing passing around the collection plate, and I'm like, shoes, shoes. It's a Baptist joke. That's what that was. <laughs> um, so, at this time, I'm going to ask you to either turn to a neighbor or a group and kind of talk about what's on that page, what's working for you, and spoiler alert, a mentor, advocate, or sponsor maybe in this fucking room. I'm just, I don't know if you know that the wing has this networking space intentional, so I was like, I don't want to talk the whole time. Let's just see if we can make some magic happen, and then we'll come back and have a fun um, Q&A. So if you have any questions for Lauren, just hold tight, and we'll come back. Let's open up to questions for me, for Lauren, for this process, any expertise that you want to share. Take it away. Hello, my name is Akansha, and um, I have questions about finding an advisory spot specifically as a business owner. When I was working in corporate, I felt like it was a lot easier for me to find a mentor and an advocate and sponsor. Now that I'm building my business, I feel like, um, especially asking for people who might be a few steps ahead of me or have done something similar but slightly in a different niche, I feel kind of strange asking it because I don't want to feel like I'm copying or like trying to take their idea. And I feel like maybe people are a little bit more protective, so I wonder if you had any thoughts about how, how to get mentorship as a I think that's a great question, but first and foremost, do you want to go Yes. Okay. Okay, grab a baby. I'll take the mic. Thank you. Thanks. Let everyone know how delicious they are. Um, when you're ready, we'll take a bite. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, that's a really great question. First of all, I'll start off by saying if anyone feels like you're copying or they don't want to share anything, they're not a good person. Right? Because one thing that we do, some women do really well, is not support other women. Mm. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a best friend that just becomes a traitor and just, like, turns on you. And you're like, what? We were in this thing together. And you have, like, the best friend's necklace, and then you're stuck with, like, you know, East Ends. And you're like, it's over. <laughs> you're not there for me anymore. So it's really important, like, if you really want to, like, change the way we operate and the workspace, so a 9 to 5 solo entrepreneur freelance or, or a woman who owns a business, you want to make sure that you're available to support other people as an advocate, sponsor, or mentor. So I'm happy to talk to you about things that I've done. I don't know if I'm of any interest to you, but I'm happy to do that. But um, 
So you want to have your elevator pitch ready of what you are asking for. So and be specific because you know we can't be busy. But real good business owners like to talk about themselves because it's hard. And if they can help someone else get to a place without going the wrong route or not getting the right license to do whatever, they're going to do that. So just be specific with your question. So like if you had a question for your business for me right now, what would it be? Oh, well, that's my thing. <laughs> One, don't do it. You know? <laughs> no, okay. Uh, you have to decide what personalities you work with, right? And do you need someone where they're asking you questions all the time, or do you want someone to work independently? Um, I like working as a partnership, but I would okay. uh, like someone to execute and kind of know what they're doing already. Okay, spoiler alert, you don't want anyone to work with you as a partnership because it's your business. That's right. Right? Because Sorry, I'm not working with a partnership with someone who's willing to collaborate and not Yes. Collaborative partner, totally, yeah. I love a good collaborative partner. So those values that you want in your employees, like the values that you have on your sheet, you're going to want to write them down regardless of the level of the position. So as a business, you have to have the core values of how you want to operate and go out from there. So, and then go into your network. Like, I'm looking for someone to come in as a contractor or as an employee to do X, Y, and Z, and just start having casual relationships and doing less of the formal interviews and see how they respond to you because you are more of a relationship person than the skill set. Because you can probably teach it to them and then help them and you can mold them, which is always fun to mold someone and get them to where you want to go. Um, so that's that's the easiest thing to, to do. Like my operations director, I met in an elevator in Detroit, and like a year and a half later, I was like, hey, can you do these things? And we had talked a little bit, I did some coaching for her, and she's like, I can. And then I brought her in. I was like, I need you to do these things, I'm gonna give you creative control, because I like people to take um, initiative and be assertive and manage up, like manage the hell out of me. I forget shit. I'm, you know, I don't know where I need to be most of the time. But she tells me and she like manages things and then she works with my anal Virgo self. Look into horoscope science. <laughs> I don't do well with Gemini, so I would never work with a Gemini. I fire Gemini's. I'm like, Keila, I'm with Gemini's, you know, like stuff like that is helpful. So the more you know yourself, the easier it is to do. And then also you're a member here at the bank. So there's lots of women here that will talk to you just because you're here. It's like, oh my God, you have money? Yeah, let's talk. This is what you do. And then have those conversations. So just be ready to go. Have those quick conversations over a cookie and go from there. Yeah. But hit me on the hip anytime. I have cards somewhere. Hip was a reference to a pager. Pager is not. All right. <laughs> I'm single for this reason. <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so current, in your current position, you're not as interested in the work that you're doing. The, but, the new work. The additional work. Oh, oh all of it. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. So you want to work in a different department? Um, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, I, okay. So it's contract. I've been there for like two months. It's really not what I thought it was. Okay. And I don't know how to navigate to where I want this. Hmm. Have you read Design, is it Design Your Life or Designing Your Life? Which one is it, Dana? I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the book? I have, I have not. Does it, huh? What is it? I know. Reading books are hard. The PhD. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me a while, right? Because once you have so much school, like, you just, words yeah. are hard. Yeah. I have to read small books. <laughs> <laughs> so back to your question. <laughs> Back to your question. So you're in it, just so that I understand, you're currently in a contract. You've been in the contract for two months. The work that you're currently doing is not of interest to you. The department that you're currently working in is also not of interest to you. And you're just trying to navigate what to do next? Essentially, yes. Okay. Okay. I would suggest, I haven't read the whole book, but I hear it's good and I have started it to read Design Your Life. Because my husband says it's a good book and I've heard a lot of good things about it. It's good. Uh, it's good. And I, I think there's also like courses from it. And then I did like a female entrepreneurship course with a few girlfriends a few weeks ago and it was based off of the book so and it and it really got me thinking about a lot of things that I actually talked to my therapist about five days after I took the little play course so I would say do that but then also are you journaling and thinking about what are the things that are most interesting to you because it's interesting like the way that things just kind of manifest and, and fall in your lap are you doing a little bit of that okay yeah I, so I would say um if you look on your one pager Writing down uh, your values of what you need in the workplace is a great start because wherever, if you start looking for other contract opportunities or other nine-to-five things, looking to see if those values are in the role, location, time, work, all those things. But the other thing I always recommend for people that I executive coach is a very high-tech, very complicated list called a love-hate list. Write down the things that you love in all of your career or even just this job, whatever makes sense to your folks. And write down the things you hate. And when you do that, you can really get down to your values and figure out what you need to be successful. From there, you may be able to pivot your contract work to do more of those things. Maybe not all of it, but some of those things. Otherwise, um, you're going to get to a place where you're just, you're just not going to like want to go or maybe start wearing all black because it's the easiest. You want to think about like fashion or anything. Like, well, like all black cute is one thing, but all black down here is another thing. <laughs> then you have like pale black with like... Fresh black, and what's happening? But, so, you want to do those things to kind of figure out what is going to bring you joy. Because you're a contract, there's an end date. And it's like, are you in a three months, six months? Yeah, three. Yeah. So, guess what? For these final 30 days, figure out what's next for you. Focus on the next thing. Get this money, because it's important to have. Because rent, food, all the stuff that we have to do as adults or whatever we are, right? It's shoes. <laughs> You know, if you guys didn't get anything from this, just know about the joy she just can bring you. But, yeah, so do that, and then you'll be on your way. Thinking about your strengths also in the forum is helpful, and that's how you can look for the next position. And start networking in that space, right? Who can be a potential advocate for you if you like that company to do something in another area, or maybe they know someone outside that can line you up for the next thing. Good news is you are in a good position to set yourself up for success because that contract is dropping. And then also, if you do have this conversation with your manager, he or she may be able to direct you to, to somebody else that can lead you closer to what you actually want to do. 
Yeah, because you can say, like, you know, contract's ending, so I would like to do X, Y, Z thing. Make them do the work. Uh, now, another question? You've been fed with the cookies? <laughs> yes. Um, so I guess my question is, um, with mentors that you've had or even advocates, what are some negative thought patterns that you've been able to, like, overcome or correct that, like, you know, are really big wins for you? Oh, sorry. You take it? I can do you want to? You take it. So my first mentor in life was from college, uh, undergrad, and um, she was wonderful. I was like her TA. She was really great and um, gave me a lot of like opportunities as a mentor, applicant, sponsor. She was like full spectrum of everything. My senior year, there was a position that opened up in the health, San Francisco Department of Public Health, where I used to work. And she told me to apply for it. I was like, well, first of all, I have not graduated from college, so I don't think I can do this. And she's like, no, you can totally do this. Help, it did all the wonderful things supporting me. I did it, I actually got the job. So, random fun fact, I was making 10 bucks an hour, and then this job is 35.71. I was like, <laughs> Three and a half hours of work and one hour was amazing. So, but the position I got was the same exact classification as her. So, when I got into this role, she mentored me for like two years, and then I went higher than her. And then I was like, "Hey, would you write a letter of recommendation for my doctorate?" And she was like, "No, I don't think you should do it." I was like, "Bitch," because the thing was, like, I thought you were supposed to support me, but she didn't want to support me because she never got a doctorate. And she immediately became jealous, became very jealous of me. And it was hard for me to take because this is someone who supported me for like 10 plus years at that time. She was at my graduation. My mom gave her approval for her to say that I was her daughter. It was like a whole thing. Like, you know, because, you know, moms are like, she's mine. Um, she didn't have any daughters. So it worked out. But it was really hard for me to take because at that time I thought I only needed one mentor. She was going to be with me for life. And why would someone who I looked up to and supported who was pivotal to everything in my career not want to support me? But that's also when I realized that some people cannot watch you shine. And some people don't want to see you excel. And those aren't necessarily the type of people you want to have in your life. And so even though she wasn't supportive and we had like a couple awkward like lunches or dinners after that, now that she's retired, oh, Akilah, I'm just so proud of you. I'm so happy you got your doctorate. I'm so happy you have your business. I'm like, are you? That's because your boys aren't going to take care of you, and now you want me to take care of you when you get to that point. But I had to um, really overcome uh, the fact that she wasn't going to be there for me in the way that I wanted forever because she showed her cards. So even though she says these wonderful things now, I don't really necessarily believe her. I think it's more of like that's what she feels like she has to say. Um, but I just redirected my energy and, and put it other places. You know, and then I, I keep that in mind with who I support um, because I would never want to stop someone from their joy. I may say, like, hey, you want to do five things right now, so maybe do two, and then I'll support you, you know, do something realistic before burning yourself out, but I'm not going to do that. Mm -hmm. Is that worth your cookie? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. <laughs> She's like mid bite. <laughs> um, I, I interpreted the question completely differently. I, I thought that the question was more so how did 
the relationship with the mentor negate self-talk within myself? Yeah. Oh, I was wrong. No, 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 that was really helpful. Oh. We're both really good answering that one. Well, I just do what I say. Um... I think one of my healthiest mentor relationships, it really taught me to silence self-doubt and like that little voice in my head that's not like my gut telling me I should not do something, but telling me that I really deserve to be in a room and to know that you have to get out of your own head and get out of your own way. And there's a saying my whole family and everybody says is sometimes I can't see the forest through the trees and I get really, really, really obsessive over like the smaller things, but I struggle to see the larger picture with something. So my mentorship relationship, relationships have really helped me to, to get past a lot of that and to think about, all right, you're not going to be in this role for the next 12 years. But what, where do you see yourself? How can you get there? And what are you actively doing? And, and how are you trying to improve yourself and your skills and whatnot to get to that point without just really getting into my own head to, to the point that it will be detrimental for me? Okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, uh, any other questions? Develop. I would say develop as opposed to find, but then also it's it's weird because we we all I'm assuming we all live in the Bay and this is tech mecca and it's company mecca and these are multi billion dollar companies so there are people who are very high fun depending on what part of the company you're looking at but high functioning high performing high achievers who are pretty wealthy so I think if you're just looking at somebody for financial support I think that it's easy to just organically kind of develop a lot of these relationships by going to events like this or working at a specific company. So I would say it's easier to just develop them as opposed to deliberately seeking them out. Because if I think of, I have an interest in product marketing and I know that there's a VP at Facebook, black guy, who is the head of product marketing. The amount of people that go to his LinkedIn inbox on a daily basis is ridiculous. And I knew, knew who he was before he even came to Twitter, right? And I was able to form like a small relationship with him based on the conversation that we just had, as opposed to me just reaching out like, hey, you're in product marketing. I think it's interesting. Can we talk? And I found out you live in my neighborhood. But that would not have been organic at all. I think it would have been creepy as well. So I think it's, just, it's much easier to develop this, like, by happenstance when you can, I think. I, I think you can do it. Yeah, happenstance. Mm-hmm. Probably. There is, so I work for the Tipping Point. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Tipping Point Foundation. They just raise 25 million a day because, you know, I don't know how to do that. But um, I wanted to work for them, and someone I knew introduced me to, like, like a mix that they had for people of color because they also do board development. And so I was like, cool, I would love to go to this event. It was down the street from my house. It was sold out, so I couldn't get in. I was like, well, it's at a bar, and I know the owner, so I guess he's going to get in. <laughs> Me, right? So I went there anyway, and I, like, sat in the bar acting like I wasn't going to go into, like, a private room, just to, you know, just chill, like, cool. And so the person who's the assistant of the director that I was trying to meet with um, saw me, and she was like, hey, Keila, some people didn't show up. You should come. And I was like, I, you know, maybe. I'm just going to finish showing Jerry because I'd be like, again, I was really chill, really cool. 
And so then I went into the room and I was like, hey, thank you so much for moving in. Can you just like introduce me to your boss? I know he doesn't have much time. And she was like, sure. So she introduced me to the boss and I was like, I know you're busy. And I, and I know you're doing stuff in diversity. I have a diversity consulting firm and I feel like there's probably some synergy, but let's just talk at another time if that's okay with you. And he's like, yeah, sure. Because he's like a black guy and he wasn't going to say no to another person working in diversity. That's a no-no in the black community. Just, we have to help each other. Like it happens, even in 15 minutes. So we got a call on the calendar, got together, and he's telling me the projects he's doing for diversity. One was a leadership institute to address the lack of executive directors and leaders in nonprofit space that don't reflect the community that they're serving. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. We had, I think, three calls over the course of eight months. And in those three calls, because he liked the advice I was giving, because I was planting seeds and I was doing a little bit of like, you know, some pitches in there of what I could do. But I straight up was like, you know, it sounds like you need a coach for that year-long fellowship. Oh, that's a good idea. You know, your coach should have, like, light eyes and curly hair. Like, I literally, I wasn't necessarily <laughs> saying that, but I was planning to see some things that I knew I could do. And so one day, he went to have a face-to-face meeting to talk about coaching, and he gave me this contract. And now we're going on year three. And that one contract has given me so much money. Because now that I'm in this space, they want me to work with other nonprofit clients and deal with racism emergencies and other things. And we just wrapped up a project last month. And then this week, he's like, we need you to do a year-long project. I was like, yes. Bring me the money, which is great. But I had to go in and like seek out. But also, I had to develop that relationship over time. And like I said earlier, sometimes with those sponsors, there's patience. Mm-hmm to be there. And as soon as I had tipping point in my website, people were like, oh, we want to work with you because it's Levi Strauss money and people love jeans. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, how's the cookie? (laughs) Yes. You mentioned that a couple of times that I'm new to the employment law space and wondering what is a I can imagine, but I wanted to hear from you what you... Yeah, usually... No, I love it. Um, How cooking, because, you know, employment law is fun. Um, Usually they are, they reside in a mass exodus of women or people of color. Um, An incident, so someone said some inappropriate stuff, either towards women or people of color. Um, Or they had to, like, fire someone really quickly because of an incident, and now they're doing aftermath cover up um yeah yeah and that's that's when I like the pager goes off and then I'm like oh god there's coaching emergencies too and people just need to problem solve so yeah um anyway if you have a diversity strategy in place you'll have less of that for women yeah people color if you need someone I'm here so I like to add an effective diversity strategy that you're actually actioning against uh, because a lot of companies have them, but they're not actually putting in the work or they don't have the executive or hiring manager buy in. Sorry, but, well, yeah, they're a client. And they, um, I don't do diversity stuff with them, I do leadership development. And they put together a diversity committee to address stuff. And they wanted to have affinity groups or employee research groups or ERGs. And uh, I was with them last week, and I found out that the first employer resource group they have is a group called Whites Challenging Racism. (laughs) And I was like, um, okay, cool. cool." Why was that the first? (laughs) (laughs) 
Exactly. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to pause on this leadership development stuff. I'm going to put on my racism or emergency hat. I was like, shut it down. This is getting the wrong message. You can't, it's fine to have a group, different types of groups, but I was like, the problem with whites challenging racism is like, do they want to keep it? Because <laughs> when you say challenge, it means you have two sides. You're challenging yourself. You're challenging something. You're challenging a group. You're doing any show on MTV. It's a challenge, right? You're fighting for something. So it's different to have a group of white people who want to be allies or white men who want to be allies to support women and people of color. There's nothing wrong with that. But that whole dynamic is wrong. And then the importance is, short version, it upholds white supremacy because you're like, we need a white group first. Let's overlook women and people of color and the LGBT community. I'm like, no one thought about this? So I had the head of uh, people in the group and I was like, you need to go to your CEO ASAP, Rocky, free him, and get <laughs> you're welcome, and um, stop it, and then come up with an actual strategy that works that isn't going to create more problems. So anyway, I'm talking tangents. Next question. Hold on, single. So if you're looking to change careers, <laughs> And you want to find a mentor in a different industry. How do you do that? Are there groups that exist that you can find people uh, Yeah, so whatever space you're trying to get in, um, you like meetup.com, what do the kids do? The meetup groups. That's a great way to do it. Um, there's this place called The Wing, too. That is helpful. <laughs> um, having opportunities for that. Um, and then honestly, LinkedIn. It's a great way to, I know, like, get into some DM situation appropriately, but seeing if you have friends that know that person mm -hmm. to introduce them, and last, tapping into your network, like, hey, yeah. friends, I want to get into this space. Do you know of anyone I can talk to um, and being introduced that way? A lot of us don't do well using our network, and we make it harder than what it really is because we feel like we have to be the person to do it, but technology and friends are, are there, so we should just use them. LinkedIn once, and, and like a message popped up that said, would you like to be mentored? Email these people. And I emailed them. Nobody got back to me. Um, so I was disheartened by that. Yeah. So I was like, maybe there's like some sort of like mentorship.com or something. SFA. I don't know. Well, there's a... But she was there for a really, really, really long time. I, I can put you in contact with her. I would love that. Yeah. She, it's designed similar to you, but I just thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, um, ask and you shall receive. So, I would also suggest uh, different Facebook groups. So, there is a Facebook. You might be a part of this, too. Sister Circle. You know, I'm yeah. not. And then I was like, am I not? Okay, we should, we should add you, but 
Um, it's it's called Sister Circle, but it's it's really it's been really helpful for me because it's for Black women that work in tech, but specifically for the Bay, but then also like different meetups um, across the country, but then also across the world as well. Um, but that's really helpful because people will post job postings or questions like, "Hey, I'm recent to employer law. Like, what are some of the issues that you all have seen? Or I'm experiencing this issue at my company. Can anybody give me tips? Or I have a job opening, like that type of thing." So I've seen Facebook groups be really helpful for that, and it's just a matter of just like searching, kind of like women in design or something like that. Yeah, I would highly, highly recommend Facebook groups. Any other questions? Concerns? Yes. I have so um, I'm really knowledgeable in my field, and I have things that I could share in this kind of space. How did you get that role here? Oh, I'm very vocal. <laughs> there are some. I didn't really feel welcome as a woman of color here because the wing is, and communities of color is known as a white space. Um, and I was like, not for me. So I was recruited by the head of diversity over here, and I was also like, no, it's going to be white, and also I live in Oakland, and. I don't do the bar anymore. Um, but clearly they do. She's like, no, it's gonna be different. Like you should come, be part of it, we value you. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I came to a mixer here <laughs> for black women, and there were more women who weren't members than the actual members, and we couldn't tell who was a member versus not a member, like there's no button, there were no activities. And then fried chicken was served. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Let me tell you a couple of things. So I, I um, I contacted the head of diversity, I contacted the community manager here, the events manager here, and I was like, not okay. We also didn't have a photographer, we weren't, and I had been to other events, and I saw a clear difference, and I did not feel value as a black person, um, and then they respected that, and um, then there was some inappropriate stuff on, on the Wings Instagram, when I took a screenshot and told them, them. <laughs> via the head of diversity. And then two days later, they were like, hey, you want to be on the secret deodorant panel? I was like, what? You want to pay me for a secret deodorant? No problem. And then here I am. So um, that's why the power of your voice is, is really important. And asking for what you want is really important. So if you want to be a panel, what's your expertise? I'm an acupuncture and herbalist. Oh, you love it. Yeah. And I've worked with most of Okay. Yeah. Guess what? Just give me your info. Okay. Because <laughs> the amount of power I have is ridiculous. <laughs> 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 and I'm kidding. Like, the co-founders know who I am, I will introduce you. I also do stuff at The Wing in LA, and stuff is happening in Chicago, and stuff is happening in New York, so I would be happy to be your sponsor, kind of, and introduce you so you can do something about wellness. Awesome. I love acupuncturists. I have one. I can't go to you because we have this institution in 16 years. Yeah, okay. Cool. It's a tight one, but I will listen to you. you like, tell me more. Right, yeah. No, so I'll happily do that because... There is, um, wellness is here, it's focused on like, you know, around work, um, moms, and like yoga and mental health stuff, but when it gets to more of the holistic things, I feel like there's areas of improvement. See how mobile I am, because we people are listening to me. This is just being recorded too, but, <laughs> you know, what else? I do what I can. Cookie. <laughs> Wait, do you want one? Yeah, see, I, this is me being mindful. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, there's two cookies left, so. Does anyone really want a cookie? <laughs> you don't have to ask. Do you want to ask? You don't have to ask.
Okay. just like fizzled out ghost yeah. <laughs> yeah but I mean you you never want to burn bridges I think yeah. except in your in your you didn't burn that bridge but homegirl burned burn the bridge for herself um, by not wanting to write you a letter right but I, I think mine have just like somewhat fizzled out because you can give me like just general advice yeah. but me working in tech and working in data my mentor who's a producer at CNN like it's that the skills don't even transfer for the most part. So I don't think that the, we can have like general conversations, but helping me get to product marketing is, she, she can't give me that advice and I do that. And so it just kind of fizzled out, but it's always like a high and by type of thing. Or like I comment on his lovely family on Facebook, like that type of thing. But I, I didn't necessarily burn that bridge. And I've also like referred other people to CNN through him. So I, I don't know how you like ghost a mentor. You don't, you don't take, I'm kidding. Don't yeah, I just, it just, I, I think it's just, it's just like a natural thing if it just ends it, it ends and you can just say hey I have an interest in this or I just thought about this I have an interest in x y and z is there, is there someone in your network that you can direct me to or do you have any tips or anybody that you can think of off the top of your head because they might because they yeah because they have a network okay. without ghosting them and you're essentially just transitioning them to a peer or colleague mm-hmm. you know so you may not have that regular lunch or that monthly thing or that quarterly thing yeah. and it's it's fine and then the two people just you know support you and when you have multiple mentors, that naturally happens. There's a, a fizzle. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Concern? Well, like I said, I'm single, so if you know <laughs> many men, feel free to pass them like, online dating sucks. Like, app dating sucks. So anytime I do a talk, I just put it out there. You never know. Right? <laughs> Um, there's one thing you love, but I am not going to eat. So, does anyone want to give you? Oh, no, wow. Wow, that's hard. Just going to put it on the floor. Um, all right, here. On LinkedIn, just Lauren Williams, spelled the way that you think it's spelled, L-A-U-R-E-N-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S, um, or on Instagram at E-L underscore M-O-1, L-O-1. Going back to my maiden name. How about you? Um, I'm unapproachable. <laughs> okay. uh, you find me on, uh, there's only one actually today in the world, so if you Google me, I'll come up. Uh, but at Change Bay, so we're Change and C A D E T on Twitter, Instagram. Um, feel free to sign my DMs. I'm happy to support you forever. I actually mean it. So if I can help in any way, please hit you. But thank you so much for your time and keep being making. Thanks, everyone.